Hi, everyone. We have Ken Backus with us today. Hi, Ken. Hey, guys. Good to uh, be with you again and bring you maybe another topic to talk about. Yeah, welcome back. Hope you listened to the other episode that we uh, we had with Ken and, um, and some of the other episodes, of course, on our podcast. Um, this is a good one. Good topic. Uh, plenary, uh, why plenary painting doesn't always equate to making art. Um, and uh, it's, it's not a controversial sub, I mean, topic whatsoever. Um, we just want to make sure that that you you hear this from someone like Ken that's been painting for for a long time. Not to make you sound old, Ken, but <laughs> he's been I at this. I think, I think I am old. I've been around, been around quite a bit. I, and it's not that I, because I've been around or been doing this, that I know all the answers. But what? Yeah, just your and, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm probably that 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 title will already get people start. Maybe they might get the temperature rising, the blood yeah. flow. Maybe it doesn't make, doesn't make art, and no. it's, not, it's not that it doesn't make art. But what here's what I found, the bore and everyone else is that that in the very beginning, when uh, I think when some of the if, if people start to look into the history of plein air painting, it obviously took place over in Europe and, and Corot and and uh, some of the more uh, famous artists like Monet were familiar with, with some of the works that they did. They started to get out of, the, uh, out of the, the, the studios, out of the salons and start to paint and actually experience the changes of subject matter uh, with, uh, with light on it. And, uh, and of course we, we know uh, some of the great examples of what Monet did painting the series of haystacks and he painted some popple trees, a variety of other subjects that he painted, not only different times of the day to show morning light, mid-morning, afternoon light, uh, or and, and maybe late in the day, and then maybe even, even some nocturne paintings, but he showed subjects and how light affected those subjects. By getting out, those artists started to educate themselves in a different way. Up to that point, they understood drawing, draftsmanship, they understood line, value, they understood uh, color harmony, uh, even though they didn't, what they didn't quite understand was how light affected certain subjects in such a way that it became very interesting to the eye, especially when the viewer could compare it, compare the same subject with another, with that same subject at a different time of day, or even as Monet, Monet did different types of season when the light's very different and so forth. So um, what, what I'm seeing today is that, that plein air obviously is a, is, a, is a term that has become very, very big in the art world. And we have conventions, we have uh, magazines, we have uh, all kinds of plein air educational opportunities, workshops. Uh, we have studied a studio, plein air, uh, there's, there's all kinds of things that are wrapped around outdoor painting. But what I feel is starting to happen is that the artists are not necessarily utilizing that outdoor experience to learn from. They're going out and they're just painting outdoors and they're saying, well, I'm painting, I'm painting plein air. But I find so often, again, over the years of teaching, I find so often that observation does not 
is not used enough, observation and comparing, where you actually learn what that tree looks like in the distance compared to the tree just slightly closer, um, or the colors diminishing as they get back into aerial perspective. Uh, sometimes artists feel they see a, a, a yellow or a blue and they paint it out way too garish or the it's not great enough. And all that understanding of grain color or aerial perspective comes from challenging yourself when you go out to paint plein air, actually go out and have a goal in mind to learn about aerial perspective, learn about creating that sense of distance, compare. Too many times artists just have the idea, I'm just gonna go out today and paint plein air with a bunch of other friends and I wanna, I, I wanna, I wanna get some stuff up to my gallery. That becomes more of, of the goal in mind versus using the experience of painting outdoors to learn from and getting the information that is then, that can easily be used then in the studio. All those years that I painted plein air and I still do paint plein air, that has helped me immensely in a studio when, I mean, not, not all of the subjects that I paint and do larger paintings have, have come from studies. I try to uh, create the study as much as possible, but I would be remiss in some of my opportunities to travel around the country or the world to not have that camera or the many devices that we have today to capture a, a digital image to take some pictures and I just don't have the time to do a painting. And I come back and, and sometimes that, that image as well as even as, as good as digital is today, it sometimes doesn't capture what we actually see. So a lot of times when I'm using some of those references, I'm, I'm also using my knowledge that I gained over the years of painting plein air, tr trial and error, that, that science behind it. What does light do to a subject? A lot of times we just go out and paint things. We paint trees and bushes and we paint houses and we paint trails and roads and animals and flowers and everything. Everything under the sun and moon is fair game, but what we, what a lot of times what we forget to paint is the light on that subject. They just, people are just painting trees and bushes and they're not painting the light on the subject. Have in mind when you go out and paint some of your subject, don't think of painting a tree, think of painting the light or even the lack of the light that's on that tree. Part of that tree maybe has some light and a lot of that tree maybe has shadow to it. Is it all the same or what is the, the subtle differences? We can usually see, the student can see the big differences between values. It's sometimes those smaller value shifts, color temperature shifts, that happen and that all comes from um, better observation and better learning from your outside ex outdoors experience or your plein air experience. So and if if you're a if you're not a landscape painter still painting from life is the big picture, right? I mean it, if you paint a figure then you got to paint it from life uh, as much as it, possible and, and if you it, paint it is, still yeah. life. Yeah, yeah, when, when you know the painting is still life, painting figurative work, uh, painting from life uh, really uh, humbles the person for, um, for your draftsmanship ability. Also, tunes up your eye for uh, reviewing and comparing value and color and subtle color. And when, when I started to take on the challenge of, of um, uh, 
why something was happening. I guess it, it, it was from my earlier days when I, was a, when I was a young kid in school, I was the pesky student that kept on raising my hand to the teacher and saying, why? She or he would maybe say, well, this takes place because of this. And then I'd say, well, why? Well, why did it do that then? Well, because it, uh, it happened this way or it, it happened because of that. Well, then, well, why did that take place? I just kept on asking more questions yeah. and I still have that, that quisitive uh, part of me that when I started to paint plain air, when, when I started to observe and see a difference, that was one thing. When I understood what the diff why the difference was there and what made the difference, that was a big door that opened up and it helped me then look for the things that I needed to look for in the changes that sometimes weren't so obvious. One has to develop a very sensitive eye to uh, painting those wonderful scenes that we're attracted to. And we go to the museums, we open up the coffee table books and we see these wonderful works of all the household names that we throw out. Uh, uh, Isaac Levitan and uh, Joaquin Soroya, John Singer Sargent, Anders Zorn, all these artists that we know of and, and we look at their works and they look effortless, but these artists also yeah. took much time to understand what they were looking at and the science of it so they could better create those nuances. I sometimes tell my students, you know, find a, a really a great uh, master's work, the cease master's work and dissect it write down paragraphs of just one element and, and compare one, one part of the scene to another part of the scene and, and look at how subtle sometimes the, those shifts of color are. Uh, and that was all learned and understood better uh, by not being in the studio or by just thinking it out. It was observed by studying uh, uh, from direct observation. So again, when I'm, when I'm talking about planar painting, this is always equate to making art. I see so many times people just using the term, well, I painted that plain air. Well, that's good. I'll say that's great, that's good. But, but really, did you, see, did you see the clouds in those kind of hard shapes compared to the elements that are underground that have much more hard, you know, rocks have weight and, and, and they don't, they're not airy and clouds are much lighter and airy, it's, there's atmosphere and there should be a contrast between certain elements that you're painting. And, I'm, I, and sometimes I just don't see the things that, that I become, it's become more obvious uh, to myself, uh, you know, over the years, so. Yeah, and, uh, and painting from life is hard, it's not, something that uh, that comes uh, easy in the beginning. It's a struggle. It is, um, and, and, it, and, it's, and it's, I found that the, the more that I observed and compared, and part of it is getting into a discipline of stopping and getting back, looking from a distance, looking at what you're doing and comparing it to what you're trying to mimic out in front of you. And that's not to say that at some point you can't go out there and just completely change the color harmony or move things around. That's, yeah. that's not at all. I feel much, I, I tried that in my earlier days before I was confident and I ran into a lot of problems. Yeah. And a lot of, lot, of, lot of panels ended up in the scrap pile. I'm much better today after uh, learning to understand and, and compare, learning more about what makes a good composition 
and also where, when and where I can remove things and for a reason. A lot of times I'm, I would remove things just because I don't like that tree. Well, maybe that tree was there for a reason. It helped to move the eye through the composition. Me taking it out just because I didn't like the tree ruined, it, ruined that idea of movement. So there's so many things that, that need to be considered that again, a lot of those artists that are very seasoned, they make it look so yeah. effortless. effortless. So, yeah. um, so, and that's why sometimes it's that misconception, oh, I can do that. And yeah. you get out there and all of a sudden, uh, some of the artists find out it's not as, uh, not as easy. I generally go to uh, when I look at a, an artist, I, I just let's say I saw a figure, a figure or a still life and I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. If I go to their website and they have a they have a heading of uh, outdoor, you know, painter from life, plein air or something. I go to that one first. Yeah. And it surprises me, actually, most often those are weak. So I'm questioning their knowledge because of the outdoor ones that are weak because it because the outdoor ones should be the ones um it's, i don't know it's just me but i i, I kind of judge a quality of a painter by their life work when they're painting from life not necessarily you know it doesn't have to be a, a landscape painter but from life i want to see what you can do from life right right yeah, yeah. those you can kind of tell sometimes those nuances uh, yeah. that that happen uh, from uh, direct observation you know, I, I do cherish, you know, for, for uh, I think when I started getting into plein air was back in, in the middle 80s. And uh, I think I got involved with the plein air painters of America group in 1995. And I had a, it came through an invitation and I was so excited to, to get that invitation. I, and I got it in the uh, spring, probably late winter, spring of the year. And their show wasn't taking place until fall. I spent that whole rest of the spring and summer practicing outside painting. Mm -hmm. I thought, gosh, I got, now I've got an opportunity to go and actually paint with some of these, these wonderful artists that I admired. And, and these artists have been following in the footsteps of all these great plein air painters from uh, you know, the, the, the California Impressionist, Edgar Payne, and, and, and uh, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. I just yeah, all of some, I mean, some of the French and what have you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all, or all even living. I mean, just great living or painters. Like, well, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I mean, so I, I spent all that time really practicing, and and it wasn't going out just to say I'm going outside painting outside today. I went out to study what I was painting to see how it, if I could really define the differences. Uh, between objects in different zones yeah. scene and, and and looking at how, how bright a green is that is it really that bright that i putting it down when i look and compare? no it's not it, it's much different then i had to figure out well what made it what what is making it different yeah. and that brought me back again to my childhood when i, I was that that child that, that student that never stopped asking questions and i started to ask myself the questions and started to find the answers that then helped me better place the visual notes down that I needed to in my in my compositions or my painting. Yeah. But I did, I, I did in my earlier days when I painted all plein air, one thing I did find though, that I did miss that opportunity to take that experience and take it to the studio where I could start to uh, reinvent a little bit of an idea. 
When you're outside, you're pretty much painting the idea for what it is. And a lot of artists, I mean, some will, but a lot of artists don't do a lot of, of redesigning, if, if you will, of, of the idea. And that's okay. Then, then what, what, what's very important is the vantage point to that idea. Make sure that you, you find the best vantage point. I learned years ago when I painted with a lot of, a lot of, uh, of artists that were more seasoned than I was at the time, I would find something I want to paint. I quick set up my gear to start painting, slinging mud. And I'd take a break and I'd go over and see what somebody else was doing. I go, oh gosh, you're painting the same subject, but I love this vantage point. This is so much different, so much more fresher. Uh, it, it really pins, pinpoints that boat or whatever that we're, that we're all painting or it makes sense as a contrast. And I started to learn a lot from other artists. I learned yeah. from them what they already knew was important. They walked around a lot more than I did to find what they needed to, how they wanted to portray that particular idea that maybe uh, three, four, five of us were painting. So um, a lot of it just came down to, to uh, the educational part. I, I tell students, don't, I mean, I'm gonna be a student my rest of my life. Don't ever feel like you have arrived and I know it all now because I painted outdoors for 10 years. I mean, I've been painting outdoors for a num number of years. I still, I still don't know it all. I still go out and, and I'm surprised and, and, and mother nature can very quickly kick me in the butt if I'm not oh. really observing and looking what she has to offer me that day. And every day is a little bit different. So yeah, yeah very important. Yeah, um, gosh, there's so much to, uh, we can even talk about. Uh, we'll probably do it in another episode. But thank you, Ken, for sharing your knowledge with all of us. Uh, yeah, again, I, I don't want people to think that planar painting can be the end result of art. But a lot of times, too many people think just because they're going outside, that is the ends to the means. That just because I went outside and painted it, it validates it as a, as a good piece of art. And sometimes we can we can observe and see that it's it's not quite there yet. You know, so. No, it's it's true. It's true. So yeah, thank you, thank you, Ken. Great. If you guys are uh, interested in more of Ken's teachings, he offers a mentoring course and also offers a video downloads through our our, our academy at TucsonArtAcademyOnline.com. So visit us at TucsonArtAcademyOnline.com and click on mentoring courses. Uh, mentoring courses are uh, Ken's 365 day online mentoring course. That's what that means. And we have enrollment opening in, we have three enrollments a year, one in March, one in uh, July, and then one in the fall in November. So we hope you can make, make.